guys took advantage and we talked about the familiarity that happens when you grow up in church and how it's important that your children see you still truly worshiping because sometimes to be quite honest it's easy to become very lackadaisical about your quiet times are we excited when we read the bible do our kids hear the excitement of what god has revealed or do they see that he's serious when he rebukes do they know that do our little children and our young children and our teenage children understand and know that. Parents get caught up in the everyday routine and they neglect the calling that God has on their lives. When he blessed them with the gift of children, he also called them to raise them up in the gospel. Part of every parent's role is to teach their children as much as they can about who God is and demonstrate what it means to live in relationship with him. As Pastor Mark examines the account of Eli's sons, we are warned to be guarded against spiritual complacency and idleness as we raise our kids. We need to make sure that we are actively pointing them towards our Savior. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. In Israel, something was rotten in Israel, and it was the priesthood. Uh, the spiritual state of that country was, was going downhill due to two guys, Hophni and Phinehas. They had turned the house of God into a brothel, basically, if you remember that. They cared nothing for the things of God, only for their comfort and their desires. They didn't know God. We talked about how we as Christians sometimes can serve, or we, you hear us say, I, I'm doing this for the Lord, when we need to be really doing it to the Lord. And, and everybody remembered and, and kind of shouted out last week, not that we're all Pentecostal or anything, but we shouted out about how you know, the Bible does tell us if you do something for the least of these, you do this to me. See, it's not that Pentecostal at all. <laughs> Probably a little more Southern Baptist on that one. But um, anyway, hopefully you'll be excited. But yet in all this confusion, there was this hint of hope. It was a young boy named Samuel. And though his life was not, you know, you got to think he had to live in that temple. He was, he was raised by Eli and he obviously bumped into Hophni and Phinehas and some of the things going on there as a small child. It was probably not the best place to be brought up in, but yet the Lord was at work providing for new godly leadership. And, you know, the problem with a lot of men that I meet in, in counseling situations, whether it's at the Pregnancy Help Center or something like that, you'll have some young guy coming in and, and they're looking at maybe getting an abortion and, and, the, and the young man's really pushing for it and he'll say, well, I don't know how to be a dad because I, did, I didn't ever have a dad or I didn't have a good dad. Well, this is an example here of kind of that. His dad, Elkanah, was at home with his mom, Hannah, so he was being raised by a priest. And you would think, well, that's pretty cool. But yet the priesthood was corrupt, if you remember. And so he saw some horrible things. But sometimes, you know what? You just need to do the opposite of what the horrible thing is that your dad. My dad was absent a lot in my life. So to, you know, for me to use that excuse and say, well, 
it's okay for me to pack up and leave and not hang around with my children is unacceptable 100% because I know what not to be as a dad. So I try to be the opposite, so much so that I try to spend as much time as possible with my children, even letting them sometimes, which really bothers my wife, crawl into bed with us as we sleep. Last night, one was in there. I didn't even know she was in there until I rolled over on her. (laughs) Luckily, I woke up so I could get here this morning. But I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, you wonder like, why am I sweating so bad? And there's this warm little body on your back and there she is. And so, so far every night she's been in our bed. We just got rid of one and now the second one comes in. So, but it's part of those things where it's like, even if he was 16 or she was 16, to lay there with me and talk to me, to hug and to hold, to know one day they will be gone and away and I'm going to miss those days is, is very important. So we know what not to be as parents because our parents weren't there. If your parents weren't there, you know to be there. If they were abusive, you know not to be abusive. If they were whatever, you know, great parents, then model that as well. So again, in all this confusion, there's a hint of hope. His name was Samuel, and through his life, you know, and and though his life isn't that horrible, God was at work providing for a new godly leadership. There was no slogans. There was no promise of hope and change, no campaigns, no speeches, just growth. And remember, we talked about sometimes growth is silent. It's very silent, and we see growth in a young boy. We're going to pick up in verse 27, where we left off last week. It says, then a man, this is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27. It says, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall, be not, there shall not be an old man in your house forever, but any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. And one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart. And in my mind I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. All right, so if in verse 27, look at there again with me. It says, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? 
Verse 28, did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give the house of your father the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? If you had confirmed this guy on your Facebook account, you would notice under his profile there would be no hometown. There would be no description of what school he attended or college he graduated from. There would be very little about him. We would know just this, that a man of God came to Eli. Now, that's kind of one of those cool things. I'm sure he, he would have some posts that would declare what God wants, and he does that to Eli. He posts, so to speak, in Eli's face what God wants. So from out of nowhere, this man shows up with a word from God. Eli um, did rebuke his sons, if you remember from last week, but he should have removed them from their office. So in, in this time of these scenes with the spiritual state of Israel, the title, the man of God, was very rare. I, you have to think about it. There wasn't really one that we see here. We hear of priests who should have been men of God, but they were not. They did not do the things that God had called them to do. We talked about him, God, laying out the rules of the priesthood way back when, and yet these guys took advantage. And we talked about the familiarity that happens when you grow up in church and how it's important that your children see you still truly worshiping because sometimes, to be quite honest, it's easy to become very lackadaisical about your quiet times. Are we excited when we read the Bible? Do our kids hear the excitement of what God has revealed? Or do they see that he's serious when he rebukes? Do they know that? Do our little children and our young children and our teenage children understand and know that? And so, again, in this time, the scenes with the spiritual state of Israel, that title, man of God, was very, very rare. He's anonymous, but that doesn't mean that he is not important, nor that his message is of no value. So we can follow the flow of the prophet's message. If you're taking notes, According to its structure in verse 27 through 28, you could write down what God says. This is what God says. And so he goes into reminding Eli that it is a privilege to serve and offer sacrifices. It is a privilege to serve God. Do we know that? Do we know that? Do we know that it's a privilege to serve God? How do you serve God? Well, some of us may say, well, I I really don't do a whole lot around the church. Well, that's okay. How do you serve God? Remember, we talked last week that you can do work for the Lord or to the Lord. So how do you serve the Lord? How do you, in serving means to someone. Your waitress at Denny's or Chili's or wherever you go for lunch today will serve you. It'll be done to you. Whether she gets your order right or wrong, that will have an effect on you. It'll be done to you. And so how do we serve? Well, some of us serve as parents, which is a very very important role that God has bestowed upon us. That is our first ministry. And we see that there's a rebuke from this man later on down the line about, hey, you know what? This is what you did as a parent. You didn't take care of business the way business was supposed to be taken care of. So he goes in to talking to Eli. He goes into reminding Eli that it is a privilege to serve and offer sacrifices on that brazen altar and to burn incense on the golden altar, and to wear the sacred garments, because he mentions these things, the ephod, and to eat of the holy offerings. Now, 
Well, it's easy to read these things and just skip over them and not really see the, the true meaning. And so what, right? We always ask, so what? What's the big deal? How does this affect me? Because we see how it works in the Old Testament. How, what about me, Mark? What's in it for me? Well, I'll tell you what's in it for you. The offering was to God, the service to the Lord. To burn incense represents a prayer. Remember, you hear in the New Testament, let my prayers go up as a sweet incense, and we see that in the Psalms as well. So here, the offering is a, would be a sacrifice. What are you sacrificing for the Lord? Oh, yeah. Hey, bro, I come to church on Sundays. I'm sacrificing some sleep. Really? Really? Hopefully you don't think that. And then the incense, the prayers. Do your prayers burn with a sweet aroma? Or are they, Lord, I need and I want. And while you're at it, go ahead and burn that guy and this guy and get rid of my boss and give me a new boss because it's just not working out for me. And so do they really burn with a sweet-smelling aroma of wanting to accomplish God's will? We talked about that in our men's study yesterday. Is When we pray, there are certain things we should really consider when we pray. Is it just a request? And what does that request look like? Well, are we requesting those things? Is it, you know, does it go back to, well, when I pray, is this going to accomplish God's will, what I'm requesting? Will it accomplish God's will? Will it exalt God? And, and is it the will of God? Is my request to the Lord all those things? And if they are, then you probably got a pretty good prayer going on. Oh, yeah, we have needs. We have wants. And there's nothing wrong with laying those out. But for the main part, are we thinking about how this is going to further God's kingdom, this prayer request? Is this part of God's will? And it's important for us to consider those things. And so, again, do your prayers burn with a sweet-smelling aroma of wanting to accomplish God's will to further his kingdom or serve his people? Is that what your request is all about? Is that what you're offering? What are you offering to the Lord? All of you, some of you, a portion of you, a little bit, Sunday mornings. What are you giving to the Lord? Then there's the ephod. He talks about the ephod, the priestly clothes. That's what separated. When you walked into the temple, that's how you would know who the priest was. He was wearing a different set of clothing than most people. It was kind of a tight-fitting long robe, a vest, priestly clothes. It separated them and allowed them to be identified as the priest. The word priest just means bridge builder. Priest means bridge builder. You just A bridge does what? It connects a gap. There's a gap. You drive down I-10, you'll see a couple of them. Without them, you wouldn't be able to get across. And so, do people see us clothed in the priestly garment of righteousness? Well, when somebody looks at you and you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, do they, do they, do they kind of have a look on their face like, really? Or are they like, oh, I can see that? Or do they just come out and ask, hey, man, are you religious? Uh, because by the way you act, you're a little different than most people that I know or hang out with. There's something different about you. Are you clothed in that garment of righteousness? Can you be identified as a Christian, a servant of the Lord, eating and enjoying what the Lord provides for you. Doing the things that he's given you to do. Or do they see us scratching and clawing our way for more? What do they see? 
And so the why, if you're taking notes, is here in verse 29. It says right in the beginning, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all offerings of Israel, my people. So the why in verse 29 and the therefore in verse 30. And so again, here in verse 27 and 28, if you're taking notes, this would be also, you could say the rehearsal of grace. If you look at it, he's kind of rehearsing something given the rehearsal of grace. The prophet tells of a previous grace given. And we see that. He deals with the past and he reminds Eli that his position is a gift from God. You know your position as a mom and a dad, as a servant here at this church. The, the place where he has you is, is a gift from God. Maybe even your job is a gift from God. And if you can say yeah to that, then I would have to ask to some of those who work so much that have no quiet time and have no prayer time and have fallen away from attending church and doing things like that, then how is that a real gift from the Lord if it takes you away from the things of the Lord? I really, truly, how is it? Why would God give you something that pulls you away from him? Why would a parent say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let you have a new mom and dad. That's how much I love you. Go on. We'll see you. That would never happen. So you, you got to look at it. Is, is your job really a gift or have you began to abuse that blessing? Have you used it to scratch and gain for more? And so, again, there's this previous grace he talks about. He says, I'm going to go ahead and deal with the past and remind Eli that his position is a gift of grace. But that position was given way back when to Aaron in the priesthood and passed down to the eldest son. So do you feel as if the place God has you serving in is a privilege or is it an obligation? I would say if you feel that it's an obligation, maybe you get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, remove me from that position until you can get things right with him. Most of the time when it's an obligation, it's because something's missing in our spiritual life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy serving the Lord, but it, it, it should never, ever feel like, oh, I got to do this again. I got to do this again. The mornings I wake up and I think, oh, I got to do this again are the mornings I have to really say, Lord, you know what, is today you pull me, pull me out of that spot? I tell my guys all the time, hey, have a message ready. You never know. You never know if I'm sick or maybe that's the day that I just need to sit back and really reconsider what the Lord has me doing. And so you got to be careful. If you would rather be doing something else or you think you deserve more of a reward for serving, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Be careful. Know how to cultivate that relationship with God. It's very important that we understand that so that you're always excited about serving and you can pass that on to the younger generation. You know, people, those younger kids, even in this small fellowship, there are younger people watching us. Do they see us just going through the motion? Because what we pass down to them will be, oh, we just have to go through the motion. Could that be what happened to Eli and his sons? He just started going through the motions just kind of, you know, it doesn't say that Eli did anything wrong by stealing the meat and taking more. But did he just, was he just not excited about the position he was given? And it just became routine. Be careful that it doesn't become routine. And so we want the younger generation because it is something we have to hand off and it is something we want to cultivate in that younger generation. 
And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not really concerned about the people my age. I mean, cool, yeah, they deserve to come to the Lord as well, but hey, there's a whole younger generation out there. And they're going to be the ones coming in, and we want to make sure that they handle rightly the Word of God. And it's important. So then he focuses on that present, the why, going back to verse 29. Why in the light of all these privileges and gifts do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? Is what the question is. Notice the possession of the sacrifice and the offering. Who owns that sacrifice? Who owns that offering? God. He says, my the thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord is basically what happens. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? That's what the prophet he says. I got a message from God, and God wants to know why you're doing these things to my sacrifice, my offering. It's not yours, though you bring it, though it's presented to you. It doesn't belong to you. That might be a shock for some of you, but whoa, really? It doesn't belong? No, not at all. If God created everything, it goes back to that funny little story where these scientists said, hey, you know what? We found a way to create the universe. And so they call God up and they challenge him. And they say, hey, we're going to challenge you. We figured out a way to do this in less time. And so God says, oh, yeah? Yeah. He says, yeah, it's not going to take us six days. We got it down to four days. And God says, so how do you do it? And they're like, well, we grab some dirt, we put it in this machine, and poof, we got it. And God says, okay, cool. And they look at him, and they're like, ready? And God goes, wait a minute, stop. That's my dirt. And so they can't do it because they can't create the dirt. It's kind of like powdered water. What do you add to it? Think about that for a minute. Go to an army surplus store, and they got that thing of powdered water, and you're like, well, what do you add to this stuff? It doesn't turn into water when you put it in your mouth. So, I mean, you got to think about these things. You know, it all belongs to God, everything, every bit of it. So if we put this verse in modern vernacular, it says, why do you kick at my sacrifice, Jesus? Why do you kick at my sacrifice, Jesus, for us? And what I offered. Jesus and salvation. To make yourself comfortable by spending all that I provided you through your job. I provided you something through your job to make yourself fat, wealthy, and honor your sons by always giving them or allowing them more time with you than me. You know, you look at this and you're like, wow, yeah, that's kind of what it says here if we took it and made it fit. The sacrifice, the sacrifice you're supposed to be giving God And those poor kids never really see a full-time worshiper of God. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. 
If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.